What's going on, everybody? Zach back here with another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. And here on today's episode, we're going to go through some uh, midseason awards we kind of left out on last week. And we've got some more rebuilds. I'm really looking forward to doing a rebuild of the Trailblazers um, and the Lockboard, which is like the only thing good for me this year in sports. Now let me introduce you to the rest <laughs> of our crew. <laughs> What's going on, guys? It is Connor, the co-host with the most, and uh, pretty excited. The Steelers extend their streak of non-losing seasons to, I don't even, well, under Mike Tomlin, it's 14, but um, I'm pretty sure it goes back to, like, 2004, so I think we're at, like, 17 straight seasons without a losing record now, even though it was a very ugly game, but uh, excited to talk about some midseason awards and Eric and I get to tackle uh, a rebuild together again. So hopefully, and we get an easier task this time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's going on, y'all? Eric, your ranting co-host here. Uh, definitely glad I'm not rebuilding the Knicks tonight. Uh, I'll definitely be happier with the team we're doing. Zach will get into that later. And I finally had a good performance in the lock board. There will be no goofy dragon memes this week. <laughs> so at least for this week anyway. So I'm gonna I'm gonna relish that moment. <laughs> oh, oh of course. What's up guys? It's Nate here. Um like Eric I actually had a pretty decent week in the lock board. I got one right, um, but it was a five pointer, so it's pretty <laughs> excited about that. And uh, my pats are trying to um, come back and win here as we speak. So hopefully that'll turn out and it'll be a pretty good week overall. So I'm excited to talk about um, our award front runners at the midpoint of the season. So it should be a fun episode. Yeah, so uh, we're going to start around the shield like always and I'll let Connor explain what uh, what all this means. If you're looking on YouTube, it just looks like a big rainbow of all these different colors. <laughs> <laughs> colors and jerseys and yeah. words. Yeah, no. So basically what we're going to do is at the beginning of the season, the four of us, we all predicted a winner for MVP, Offensive Rookie of the Year, and Defensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, we didn't actually predict Defensive Player of the Year. I kind of forgot about that when we were thinking about that, but that's the other like kind of major award in the top four. So we're going to go over... Um, We've got pictures on here, so we've got two front runners basically for each award that a uh, different person is going to present for each person, and then for each award, we each have a dark horse that we've selected um, who could be who could play spoiler to these front runners. So we're going to start off with obviously the most prestigious MVP, and I will let Zach take it away with his uh, with the first front runner. Yeah, so the first front runner here is going to be Russell Wilson, and. Uh, he was who three of us picked to win MVP at the start of the season. So, you know, this isn't like a big surprise or anything that he's here. But um, I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, he threw he had so many turnovers this last game against Buffalo. And yeah, that's been a problem the last couple of weeks. Uh, he seems to do this every year. He has some uh, some weeks where he really struggles. But I, I think the big thing that's going to help him win the MVP is. He's never won it before, which it's it's a advantage to never have won it before. I don't care what anybody says. If you've never won before, it's easier to win than someone else who already has. And also, too, uh, it seems like he has more weapons now. Uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are one of the best tandems of wide receivers. And his defense is so bad 
that he's going to get so many opportunities to be on the field and score touchdowns. So uh, with all those things and it being Russell Wilson, he normally isn't known for turning the ball over. So I'm, I'm predicting that he bounces back in a big way and wins the MVP. But there's another front runner that's looking pretty good right now. I'll let Eric talk about him. Yeah, and that's going to be my prediction from the beginning of the season. My boy Patrick Mahomes. And Mahomie. I, oh, yeah, Mahomie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, this guy's obviously a beast. I will say, going into a, just a couple weeks ago, I think at that time, Russell Wilson would have been really the only front runner. I mean, he was having by far the best season, but. He's looked a little more vulnerable these last couple of weeks and hasn't had as good of performances. And so he's up to eight interceptions on the year now. And I think the other thing that Russell Wilson really needs going forward, I know Seattle can't obviously bring in new people, but his offensive line has to perform better. I saw before we started the podcast that he's been sacked 24 times already, which is about three times a game. And that, is not helpful to anybody so so when he's having to hurry he's probably make that's probably why he's making some of these mistakes uh and so there his offensive line definitely needs to step up to help him but for Patrick Mahomes what really has separated him for me as a front runner is obviously he's got the touchdowns and everything I him and Russ are pretty equal on that but what separates Mahomes for me right now is that he only has one interception halfway through the season and that is really impressive so like as of right now though i i still give a little edge to russ but patrick mahomes has just as good a chance and if he keeps playing like the way he's played the last couple weeks if russ keeps struggling like he kind of has the last couple weeks then i definitely think patrick mahomes could take the mvp yeah so before i get into my dark horse i will say Really quickly, I think the one advantage that Russell Wilson actually, in my opinion, has over Mahomes right now is that I don't think the Seahawks would be in this position right now had it not been for him, whereas I feel like the Chiefs would probably still be doing pretty good without Mahomes. So I think when you look at most valuable player, um, the Seahawks without Russell Wilson would probably not even be in the the playoff hunt right now. But so I'm going to actually stick in the NFC West with my dark horse pick. So I was... I was really contemplating a lot of people for this. Um, obviously, I was thinking about guys like Josh Allen and Tom Brady, but um, Brady, I would have said, would have been the number three going into this week until that horrendous game yesterday against the Saints. So um, I've decided that I'm going to go with Kyler Murray, which is, I think, the thing for Kyler Murray that's helping him, I think he's kind of got the same problem that Russell Wilson does and the fact that the Cardinals don't exactly have the greatest defense in the world, but... Kyler Murray has been, I mean, he's he's kind of like the Lamar Jackson of last year almost. Like he's doing, he's kind of mirroring that where he's a ridiculous threat throwing the ball and he's a really dangerous threat running the ball too. And he, especially now that he's got the weapons around him, I mean, Chase Edmonds is blossoming into a good back and he finally has, you know, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald is a great receiver and all, but he's definitely past his prime. So bringing, being able to get DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona, I think, has really helped uh, Kyler Murray. And so going down the stretch, Kyler Murray, he's definitely going to need to win some more games because obviously Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes are um, they're the clear front runners right now. But I think if Russ continues to struggle like he has been, 
and also with Patrick Mahomes, I think I could see maybe I don't see Patrick Mahomes falling off. Uh, like, you know, I, I could see if Russ keeping up his uh, struggles, him falling off. I don't see Mahomes falling off. I think what would put Murray over the top is, like I said earlier with the Wilson argument, that I feel like the Cardinals, like, the Chiefs are such a juggernaut that, you know, he's, Patrick Mahomes is really just a piece of that team. Whereas I feel like if Kyler Murray can really establish himself as the heart of the Cardinals, then he can kind of, uh, make himself an image of I am the whole team. Like I am the reason for our success. So um, definitely a dark horse pick like Russ and Mahomes are the two front runners, but I think Kyler Murray's got a real shot, which no one was talking about before the season that Murray would even be in this conversation. Yeah. So now we're going to go to offensive rookie of the year. Um, and we're going to do the two front runners first. I've got Joe Burrow as the biggest front runner right now. And uh, just with the numbers and stuff, for a rookie quarterback, they're unreal what he's doing. Um, and the thing is, is the, the Bengals are actually winning some games. They upset the Titans, which wins fair or unfair wins for quarterbacks are measured all the time. So he's won, he's won the most out of all rookie quarterbacks and the, the stats he's putting up too have been unreal. Um, he he already looks you could tell by his first game that he's NFL ready like you could tell week 1 that okay the Bengals have their guy there's like nobody was questioning that and he's continued it each and every week only getting better too um i i'm a huge i was a huge fan of him at LSU obviously and he's translating to the NFL i think right now he's on pace to win it pretty easily and um, should be a great quarterback, I think. Unlike some other quarterbacks, I think Burrow is more reliable. I think he's going to be, in the long run, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL for the next decade. But uh, let's hear about that other guy out west um, that's putting on a show, too. Nate, why don't you talk about him? Yeah, so Justin Herbert, the other um, main rookie quarterback. We haven't seen enough of Tua yet, but between... Um. Uh, Herbert. Um, Herbert obviously doesn't have any, as many wins, but a big part of that is due to you know the rest of his team is defense, and they've you know blown. Uh, Nate, I think you're where you're coming in and out right now. We can't hear you. Nate, hello. Uh oh! <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Well, you want right, to do we'll, this? We'll, sleeper we'll, we'll, we'll hear. We'll hear. It. Well, I'll I'll, p- I'll pick up with uh, Justin Herbert okay. for now, so we can keep this going. Um, yeah, I think Nate was hitting it on the head. That the thing about Justin Herbert is really, unfortunately for him, it's the wins because I saw an interesting stat on Facebook where basically they compared him to Patrick Mahomes, like their first six games of their career. And literally, they pretty much had identical stats. Like, they both had around 1,800 passing yards and, like, um, like six touchdowns or something like that. The only difference was the fact that Mahomes was 6-0 and and Herbert was 1-5. and So, I think that definitely is what's holding Herbert back is the Chargers defense. Because Mahomes obviously plays on a much better team. So, but, I mean, I think if Herbert, if he can start to reel off some wins and if he can keep the stats up, then I definitely think he's got a chance to pass Joe Burrow. Um, but Burrow is just going at an unbelievable rate right now. So it's going to be tough, in my opinion, for Herbert to catch Burrow, especially since Burrow was 
the guy coming into the season that everybody thought was going to be the rookie of the year. So, um, yeah, I'll let Eric talk about his dark horse. Yeah, so my dark horse, if you've listened to this podcast a lot, you obviously know I'm a Jaguars fan. So what? My, my choice is not going to come as too big of a surprise. Um, they asked me to come up with a sleeper candidate for offensive rookie of the year. So I went with James Robinson, the running back for the Jaguars. I mean, I'm going to have to agree with Zach that I just, I'm pretty sure Joe Burrow's the overwhelming favorite, but when you take a look at what this guy is doing and when you take a look at the team that he's doing it on, he's putting up amazing numbers he right now is sixth in the entire NFL and rushing yards. And really he's basically fourth because the two people in front of him are only ahead of him by a few yards. And since Robinson's already had his bye week, he's played one less game than them. So obviously the numbers aren't exactly even since not every team has had their bye week yet, but I mean, he's basically fourth in the NFL and rushing yards. He's sixth among running backs and, um, receptions and receiving yards and again he's had his bye week already and this is coming from a guy who one was undrafted he you know he wasn't like a Clyde Clyde Edwards Hilaire DeAndre Swift or somebody who got Jonathan Taylor somebody who got drafted you know in the first or second round that were expected to be really good players right out the gate I mean nobody even including Zach and myself like nobody had even heard of this guy when he first came into the NFL, but what he's doing is amazing. And I know with some of the quarterback stats we've talked about in the past, you know, it, it helps them in a way if they're on a bad team because they're playing from behind more often, which is giving them more opportunities to, you know, get more passing yards, get more touchdowns and different things like that. But when you're a running back that plays on a team like that, normally that hurts you because when you get way behind in games, then you're with teams passing the ball. When you're a running back, you're barely getting the ball, but this guy is still producing. And what I find really impressive about him, when I watch him run with the ball, uh, unlike a certain running back that the Jaguars had before this guy, he seems to have really good vision. He finds the holes. He usually make, he a lot of times makes the first guy miss. So he'll take a play that, looks like it could have been a loss of two and turns it into a five-yard gain. And those types of things are really valuable when you can do that for a team. Uh, as a Jags fan, I'm excited to have him on our team. I'm sure the Jaguars will be keeping him around for quite a while. Uh, I'm excited for his future. Don't know if he's going to be able to take offensive rookie of the year, but especially with the numbers Burrow and Herbert are producing and us being in a smaller market, that usually hurts too. But, but this guy's a beast. I'm so happy to have him on my team. And then I'll let the guys transition over to our next category here. Uh, yeah. If Nate, if you're back, you can talk about uh, Chase Young for defensive rookie of the year. Yeah. Um, I think you guys hear me. Yeah. We can yep. hear you. All right. Yeah. Sorry. The internet was having some issues, but um, yeah. So Chase Young is someone I picked him for, uh, defensive rookie of the year to start the season. I believe we all did. I mean, he was pretty popular. Actually, Eric and I took Isaiah Simmons. <laughs> okay, uh, Isaiah Simmons. So, yeah, I mean, um, definitely was like a popular pick coming in, but he's, I think, lived up to the hype. 
so far. I mean, he's putting up good numbers, um, good sack totals for the um, Washington football team, which um, is pretty impressive considering there's not a whole lot else, you know, around him there. You got obviously Ryan Kerrigan, but he's getting kind of old. old. Um, got, um, you know, a decent defense, but he's, you know, came in and made an impact. And I think it's even more impressive considering the hype that was placed on him as a top pick and um, all the rest. And I think he's, uh, you know, lived up to every bit of it. So um, definitely been impressive so far. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if he um, won defensive rookie of the year, especially like um, I kind of mentioned this again in the next category here, but definitely sacks or something that um, when voting on defense, it's kind of hard because the um, boards like to have statistics. Like you can look at passing touchdowns for MVP and yards and all that. But when it comes down to defense, you know, they kind of like to look at sacks or interceptions or, you know, an insane amount of tackles or something like that. So a guy with a lot of sacks is usually going to um, pile up some votes for the award there. So that's why I like his his odds of it. Yeah, so I've got uh, Patrick Queen here as the second front runner for defensive rookie of the year. And I think he's definitely, um, I think he might have been in consideration at the beginning of the year, but probably. I don't think anyone thought he'd be challenging Chase Young right now because, honestly, I think this is a very close race right now between Chase Young and Patrick Queen, and also Zach's going to talk about the other guy who I think this is a really close race between. But I think what Patrick Queen has going for him is because when it comes to – I mean, he's obviously got more tackles than Chase Young does being a middle linebacker, but I think also the fact that Patrick Queen does have two sacks, which is only a half sack less than what Chase Young has – um, and obviously Patrick Queen is able, being a linebacker, he does stuff in the, in the passing game. Like he only has one pass defended, but he does have two forced fumbles, um, and a defensive touchdown. So I think thing for Patrick Queen is that, you know, I think player middle line, this is one of the reasons why I picked Isaiah Simmons at the start of the year is that middle linebackers in my mind, they really uh, command a lot of attention and they're really important on the defense because they're kind of like the quarterbacks of the defense. So if you can really stand out as a middle linebacker, that can go a long way to making a name for yourself. And obviously the Ravens defense is second to none and Patrick Queen is one of the reasons for that. So um, definitely a very close race, but I think Patrick Queen is going to pass Chase Young here fairly shortly. But I'll let Zach talk about his uh, dark horse. Yeah, so my my dark horse is going to be uh, none other than Antoine Winfield Jr., uh, safety for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, The reason I I picked him for defensive rookie of the year dark horse is really because I kind of had a little debate with Connor when we were coming up with this (laughs) idea. And I I was surprised that Connor wasn't letting him in the top two because uh, he won, he's already claimed a defensive rookie of the month so he's got that on his resume and he has a game-saving play highlight against the new york giants when he beautifully deflected a pass that was not pass interference i I don't care what anyone says that was not pass interference he did he did that in the most perfect way without it being a penalty uh, you can blame Daniel Jones for not throwing it earlier, but still, he he made the play to win the Buccaneers the game there. So <laughs> he's got that highlight play in his resume that, you know, Chase Young hasn't had like a strip sack win for Washington or anything like that. And also, too, early in the season, like this is when he won his rookie of the um, rookie of the month is 
he was not only being looked at as a guy that was one of the best rookie safeties, but he was being considered one of the best safeties for that month. So um, it's hard to keep that sort of stuff going up for you if you're a rookie, but uh, hard-hitting tackler for the Bucks safeties. Um, I expect him to get a couple more interceptions, and he plays with a lot of confidence too. Like He takes chances. Um, in Todd Bowles' system, you have to be able to rush the passer. He he can rush the passer. He does a lot of different things. He doesn't just do coverage. So I think he's more versatile. And as far as uh, Chase Young, I've seen some Washington fans on Twitter even calling him out for being like, where have you been since week one? Because he had a great week one and has kind of fallen off a little bit. So we'll see where things go, but this is a very volatile situation here for defensive rookie of the year. But We'll move on now to the fourth category of picks, Defensive Player of the Year, and I'll let Eric talk about his front runner. Yeah, so definitely an obvious front runner here for Defensive Player of the Year. Wa- or Defensive Player of the Year. Oh my God, Defensive Player of the Year. Clip it, clip it. But anyway, you gotta, you obviously have to take a look at Aaron Donald here. I mean, he just time after time just continues to produce at an elite level. And I have to admit, as a Jags fan, I was a little salty the year he won it over Calais Campbell in 2017 when Calais Campbell had that great year. But Aaron Donald did have a great year that year too, and I have to acknowledge that. And he just continually does this year after year. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be able to keep it up because he did have – he had one game where he got four sacks in one game. But he is – technically on pace to average 18 sacks for the season which is really amazing especially with as often as he gets double teamed uh you know he gets double teamed most on most uh most plays and for him to still be able to do that even when getting double teamed all the time is really awesome and he has three forced fumbles i mean the guy is just a difference maker man and uh, I'm always very impressed when I watch him play. So to me, he's an obvious front runner, but uh, Connor is going to make a case for his front runner here. <laughs> well, I will say um, this is definitely, I will, even though TJ Watts a stealer, this guy, I will definitely agree that Aaron Donald's the front runner right now. Um, I mean, think about TJ Watt though. I mean, he does just continue to produce. I mean, he has seven sacks on the year, which, is tied for third basically because uh donald and garrett are first with nine apiece um but seven sacks for tj watt he's second in the league in tackles for loss which the only one ahead of him in that category is one of his steelers teammates so um second in the league in that category and i think a big thing for tj watt is that he does have an interception being a linebacker and he's got six pass defenses which for an outside linebacker is supposed to be an edge rusher i think six pass defenses is really impressive for someone that, because normally these guys that can rush the quarterback, like you don't see Von Miller backing up in coverage all the time. Like he's going after the quarterback every single play. The fact that TJ Watt can get to the quarterback, sack the quarterback, and can also do well in pass coverage, I think really gives a good case for him that he's an all-around defender. Uh, I will say the one thing that he's lagging behind definitely uh, Donald and Garrett in is forced fumbles. Um, he has yet to have a forced fumble yet this year. And the other thing that I will say that will probably hold T.J. Watt back from being Defensive Player of the Year, unfortunately, is there's so many stars on that Steelers defense. Like, 
There's Cameron Hayward, who's actually in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year, too. There's Minka Fitzpatrick. There's Joe Hayden. There's Bud Dupree. Like, there's all these guys that are contributing to this fantastic defense. And I feel like TJ Watt's going to get overshadowed. Like, they're going to try and they're going to kind of chalk up his stats to, oh, well, this whole team is good. So it's not just this one guy, whereas some of the other players are kind of like the lone stars on their defense. So I definitely think. TJ Watt is a front runner right now, but I unfortunately wouldn't be surprised if he falls out of the conversation by the end of the season. Yeah, and then um, and over here we have our dark horse candidate who um, kind of kind of touched on Miles Garrett. He's he's tied with Aaron Donald for the league leading sacks, which I think that's the biggest reason I could see him um, pulling off the upset and winning the award. At the end of the year, just because, um, like I mentioned earlier, voters love um, big sack totals and um, big statistical output. So if he can pull ahead of Donald and you know take a solid um, lead for the highest sack total this year, he could definitely be in the conversation. He's not as good of an all-around defender, I would agree, as T.J. Watt, or he doesn't make the same kind of impact that, that um, Aaron Donald has where you really have to know where he is on the field and scheme your whole you know, game plan to stopping him. He's not, I don't think he's overall as dominant as those two, but he's putting up nine sacks and four forced fumbles at this point in the season. So um, he's definitely in the running. If he can keep adding those stats, um, I think he'll definitely be um, in position to maybe get some votes at the end of the year. He just yeah. needs to avoid uh, hitting any, any hitting any more Steelers players in the head with helmets. Yeah. <laughs> that would be bad for his case. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, so we've got one game of the week to talk about, like always. That's going to be the Saints and the Buccaneers, and obviously this is a one-sided game. But before we talk about that, I just want to real quickly, we don't bring this up a whole lot, but if you're looking on YouTube, look at all the green in my column this week on Pixar. <laughs> I, I never have had a week like this, and I, I just had to shock myself out. Oh, I was saying Nate's kind of having the opposite year to last yeah, year. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. He was doing I wasn't really gonna good last up. year. I wasn't going to bring it up. <laughs> that's true. I mean, I mean, I can't. No, you're, I mean, you're right, all, all, I, I will say to rant on all of us, we're all lagging behind Eric. Because, I mean, I'm in second yeah. place right now, but I'm still 10 games behind Eric. So, yeah, Eric I appreciate talks. you. I appreciate you putting this uh, up, Zach, since I've been in last in the lock board here. Pretty recently, so <laughs> I appreciate you showing. Wait, anybody who's looking on YouTube can just see this stuff. They look at the yearly. He's artists. actually show, he's actually shown it every week. <laughs> well, it, it, it's just been on the screen for like a second or two or something. But like here, you, it's okay. We haven't talked about it yet. Yeah, you're we eighty-eight. It up. <laughs> okay, yeah. This is this is okay. This is without the spread. I'll say that first. But you are eighty-eight and forty-three, which um, is pretty dang good so mm-hmm. um, thank you sir, thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but we gotta talk about the uh shellacking that we saw on sunday night between the uh saints and buccaneers and now the the saints win 38 to 3 they have the tiebreaker now on the bucks if the nfc south comes down to uh two teams with the same record they have the tiebreaker on them um and connor and i will i'll talk about this from tampa's perspective and then um Connor will probably talk from how a different perspective about Tampa or <laughs> about New Orleans. Uh, but I mean, I'll say this: I'll say the Buccaneers don't write them off. Um, they're they're not going anywhere. There's they still have a great record, and the NFC is wide open. I mean, it's it's wide open. You got the Packers and the NFC North. 
You've got the Seahawks, maybe the Cardinals, maybe don't even count the NFC East. And then you got the Buccaneers. <laughs> well, I will say for Tampa Bay's sake, if they end up like getting the wild card and being the five seed, they have oh, a guaranteed yeah. first round win in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> the five seed is actually probably the most desirable position other than the one seed, honestly. Um, but Zach, uh, you pronounced it wrong too. It's the NFC least. Yeah, yeah, you said you're... that wrong. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. So uh, a lot of people like we're we're fans of all um, AFC teams on this podcast, but I've heard some smack talk from like, oh, the NFC is better than the AFC. But I mean, after this year, this season, like, there's nobody in their right mind who can say that the NFC is better than the AFC. Like. With that division in in the NFC, it, it automatically disqualifies them. But, um, <laughs> okay, back oh, to the game. Uh, th- it's not over for the Bucks. Uh, things d- are not looking good. They're going to have to m- have a bounce back win against the Cardinals, w- or I mean, against the Panthers, which uh, is a pretty pretty good opponent for them. They they are going on the road, and the Panthers played them close last time, but. Um, it's not as tough as it could be. It's not like they had to go to Green Bay or anything like that. Um, so I, I think the the Buccaneers will bounce back. I'm not sure what the schedule is like for them the rest of the year versus New Orleans, but uh, it's not. They both, have to, they both have to play the Chiefs at at some point. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not. They don't control their own fate, but it's still only the halfway point of the season. So uh, the Saints are on a winning streak right now, but a couple like a month ago. Uh, they were looking pretty dead. So it's not over yet, but I will say it's definitely, it, it would scare me if they had to meet in the playoffs because now this has been twice that uh, New Orleans has won and it's never good to have, have lost to the same team twice and meet them in the playoffs, you know. So it's it's one of those things as a Buccaneers supporter, I'm like, okay, uh, anybody but the Saints at this point. I think <laughs> the Saints need to have their number. Um and also, too, it's, it's weird, but it's these night games for them. Uh, they almost lost to the Giants. They did lose to the Bears. And then they got uh, destroyed this game. I don't know why, but these primetime night games haven't been too kind to them. But, uh, all right, let's hear Connor take a more <laughs> a, a tougher stance against the Bucks, and then maybe show some signs of uh, things to come for the Saints. Is this a statement for them? Is this going to propel them to a Super Bowl? Let's, let's hear well, I will say for the Saints' perspective, um, I still don't think they're the best team in the NFC. Um, like, Drew Brees is going to have to show me that he can keep it up for a few more weeks. Um, I will say, I think that was probably the best thing that I saw from New Orleans in this game was the fact that they were able to get away from Alvin Kamara and, like, create more offense outside of him. Like, Alvin Kamara still had a decent game, but, I mean... Drew Brees was spreading the ball all over the field. I think there was something like 12 different people on the Saints caught a pass. So um, definitely a good sign for New Orleans if Drew Brees can kind of come back to life and um, kind of somewhat find his old self. I I still don't think they're the best team in the NFC right now. Um, I think the Seahawks and Packers might still be slightly better teams. Um, But they're definitely trending in the right direction, especially after they'd had some really close games that maybe shouldn't have been close, like that they still won, but they were very close games um, that they only barely pulled out. So I think this definitely gets them back on the right track, a blowout win on the road against a, a good team. So, and then for the Buccaneers, I mean, for me, this, I mean, the two games against the saints, honestly, like I feel like so far, this is kind of proving to me what I thought the Buccaneers would be. Like I never said they were going to be a bad team, 
But this kind of proves to me right now that they're just a good team. They're not a great team because the only win so far that I've seen from them that I've been really impressed by was that domination of the Packers. Like that game was, that was a fantastic performance from the Buccaneers. I could find no faults in that game, but other than that, like they did have a a big win over the Raiders, which I mean, the Raiders to me are kind of a middle of the road team, but you know, they've had these two losses to the Saints, both of which, I mean, the, both of them really haven't been close. The first game wasn't really that close either. The fir- the final score showed a closer game than it really was. Um, but then, of course, the loss to the Bears, almost losing to the Giants, almost losing to the Chargers. Like, they haven't really shown to me yet that they are a Super Bowl caliber. Like, they're definitely a playoff caliber team, but not a Super Bowl or even NFC Championship caliber team because... The fact that you're almost losing to teams like the Chargers and especially the Giants. Like, I know it was on the road and all that stuff, but, I mean, it's the Giants. Come on. In my opinion, for a team that had such high expectations and were supposed to go to the Super Bowl, like, the fact that you're almost losing to the Giants is not a good look. So, um, like I said, I definitely don't think they're going to miss the playoffs, but they're going to have to figure something out because that defense is world-class. I mean, they didn't really show it against the Saints, but... The defense is world-class. I think the offense just kind of needs to... I mean, the offensive line needs to do a better job protecting Brady because the Saints were all over him uh, that entire game. And if you start going against teams that have even slightly better pass rushers, then you're going to be even worse trouble. So um, definitely a lot of of game planning, a lot of, I guess, soul-searching probably after that loss that the Buccaneers (laughs) are going to have to do. But yeah, it's definitely not over for them. but I think it, right now I'm feeling pretty good about my prediction about the Saints winning the NFC South for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The the Buccaneers have a chance to to really take a commanding lead, but they they failed to do that. So we'll see what happens uh, moving forward. Uh, we got the lock board coming up next. This is our in between segment before we go to the NBA rebuilds. Um, as always, we have the winner give. Uh, the picks that they got right this week. And for the first time in a while, we got Eric as a winner getting six points. So uh, that just shows you that this wasn't a great, great week for all four of us that the winner got six <laughs> points. But um, Eric, I thought you were going to take a different route when you were saying that. I, <laughs> yeah. I, swear in my head, I swear in my head, I thought you were going to say something like you could tell that it wasn't a great week for all of us when Eric was the one in first place. <laughs> Well, listen, yeah. I mean, Zach and Connor both with little this is there, but I uh, I was the only one that got more than one lockboard pick right this week. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, well, do you want to say what you got right? <laughs> and uh, also, yeah. So, I mean, with my first pick, I had the Raiders over the Chargers. I was surprised that the chargers were favorites in that game so i was really happy to get that one first i was going to be mad if they lost though because <laughs> connor's pick did. of connor's pick of the gators over the bulldogs was the other one i was really looking at that i really wanted so i was glad that i got the one i got right so i didn't have to worry about that uh, i also got the giants beating the football team uh ever since i made that case for why the giants could win the nfc <laughs> least uh they've actually even though they still haven't won a lot, they've actually had some decent games since then. So uh, I was happy to get that one. And then my second round pick, I lost, but I had the 
Panthers over the Chiefs because I was going for a five-point play. That one would have been more so luck if I got that. I wasn't necessarily thinking Carolina for sure could win, but they put on a great fight and almost got me that one. So that would have been 11 points for me if I'd gotten that. But mm-hmm. nevertheless, I'm happy to you know get six points. <laughs> I didn't gain a ton of ground, but you know yeah. I'll – I'll take a, I'll take a win for this week. So yeah, and then for sure. we we have one. I w- I want to bring this up. We have a, a asterisk by Nate's correct pick. So Nate picked Arizona to beat Utah last week, and a couple days after that, we found out that that game was being canceled. And then so I I messaged Nate, being like, "Hey, you need to pick a five pointer to replace that." And he told me Liberty over Virginia Tech and got that all got those five points. That was a crazy game. To anybody that who was. to anybody um who didn't see that, go somehow find a way to watch the ending of that. You you'll not find a crazier ending all year in football than the way that ended. <laughs> yeah, Virginia Tech's head coach is gonna be uh, banging his head against the wall for <laughs> years to come probably. <laughs> but uh i mean yeah. hats off to nate for that one because that was the only correct five yep. pointer of the week like <laughs> like zach and i were zach and eric and i were all pretty close so, like i was close with kansas state zach was close with arizona state and eric was close with carolina but nate was the only one out of all the potential five pointers that was the only one that was correct yeah so, was, <laughs> so that that explains why the scoring is low since a lot of us picked five pointers but yeah uh, that that helped you out, Nate, for this week. Uh, for sure. Now looking at the total standings, like we do every week, no uh, ground was gained on Connor really uh, from me. So Connor's in first with forty-seven. I'm in second place with forty-five, and then we have a tie for third between Eric and Nate, both with twenty-nine. So because Eric and Nate both had better weeks, now they're going to be picking later in the lock draft, and I'm actually going to be I'm actually going to be picking first this time. So let me Zach and I are, Zach and I are in uh, unknown territory for the I know. two of us to both be up here. <laughs> but uh, th- this is why I was kind of happy with this week because uh, nobody gained uh, a ton of ground on me with only getting three points, and I get the first pick because I picked last um, last week. So uh, I'm okay sure. with the way things turned out. Um, now, okay, yeah. So I, I did pick beforehand. This this started what my pick will be. Uh, Connor's not going to like it, but I'm going to take the Bengals to beat the Steelers. Uh, yeah, that's going for a five-pointer. Yeah, going going for a five-pointer in the NFL. I think that's the best five-pointer this week. Um, and well, like you, I thank said, you for, uh, talk- thank you for giving up five points right there. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Burrow, man. Joe Burrow. <laughs> Note to self that you're picking in the lock board. If you pick against the Steelers, Connor's coming after you. <laughs> well, you know, so far I have been correct because the Steelers are 8 0. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. All so, good yeah, things from- come to an end. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not going to come against Cincinnati, maybe against Baltimore <laughs> on Thanksgiving, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so for my pick, I definitely there's a couple very intriguing uh, NFL picks this week. There's um, definitely some kind of pick 'em games, and I'm kind of between two right now. But I think the more uh, sure thing one for me is I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills to beat the Arizona Cardinals. All right, <clears throat> that's a three pointer right there. Cardinals are one and a half point favorites when time of the recording. We'll see that that could change. I think to be favoring Buffalo, so that, that could be a steal. Um, all right, so third, we got Nate up next. Nate, where are you going to go? Uh-oh, Nate's having internet issues Nate again. on uh, 
mute or something. It doesn't yeah, say he's Mike's not muted. He's still. Oh. It says he's still in the call. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I, let's let's say something real quick on the fly to talk about while uh, Nate comes. Hopefully, I mean, we comes. could do the rebuilds. I guess I don't know, but yeah. Oh, oh, oh we Hello. heard the Hello. signs of life. <laughs> okay. There we go. Nate. Hello. Yeah, we hear yeah. you. We hear you. <laughs> No, we don't. Crap. <laughs> like this. <laughs> We're uh, for okay. like five seconds. Say, <laughs> so, Nate, if you phone. can hear us, message Zach. Your oh, yeah, there it is. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> I love how, like, right as he comes back, and he disappears <laughs> again. Like seconds. <laughs> oh man. Just message Zach your pick, and we'll we'll uh yeah. we'll get moved on. So that way, then we can. <laughs> okay. There we go. Sorry. I'm... Oh my god! Oh, Literally, there we go. We hear you, but then we think once so. Yeah. Okay. Just, just say, just shout your pick. <laughs> Didn't oh, know this was gonna be a comedy if, podcast. If, 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 if this was ever like, if we ever had someone, you know, compile together Clutch Crew Sports blooper reel, this would be like the number one. This is gonna go down as like worst <laughs> segment of 2020 Clutch Crew Sports right here. Right? <laughs> I'll actually call Nate. Actually, oh, he's on. Now his mic is muted. Let me, let me call him, and I can put him on speakerphone. And <laughs> never do, do, man. Never done this before. But oh, wow. word is this lock oh, word. Oh, oh, there he goes. It... Yeah, just Hello? shout your pick. Just shout your pick. Yeah. Okay. okay we hear um, yeah. I'll take Seattle over the Rams. Hey, Seattle. I'm gonna text you. Sorry, the internet's. I don't know why it. Whenever I'm trying to talk, like I can listen to you guys fine for 20 minutes, and I go to say something and it cuts out. <laughs> yeah, like literally, uh, what kept happening was like you kept saying, "Oh, there we go," but then like you would yeah. cut out right after you said, "Oh, there we go." Happened <laughs> 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 like five times. Okay, so for my first pick, uh, I only had one five pointer across the board that I felt like could possibly happen. So since it's still there, I'm gonna go for it. I'm going to take South Carolina to beat Ole Miss. Ooh. Just looking so, at their performance, that's I mean, not, obviously that's not I'm, not, I'm not the college guy like you guys are, but <clears throat> looking at both teams' performances throughout the season, I just don't really see why Ole Miss is favored by that many. So uh, I know South Carolina did really bad against Texas A&M, but I, they've had some other good games, so I'm hoping they can pull this one out for me. Yeah, Eric's the newest uh, South Carolina fan. Not a fan. <laughs> I, I don't, don't put words in You're, you're a fan this you, week. <laughs> U.S. of C. <laughs> okay, all right. So that's the, the end of the first round. Back over to me now to start the second round. Um, hmm, let's, let's take a look here. There's been some damage on the NFL side. I'm going to go ahead and pick... Jacksonville Drum. or Green Bay? <laughs> <laughs> thought about it. I thought, about it. I thought about it. I'm, I'm going to go college. I'm going to go uh, Miami over Virginia Tech. Um, oh, darn it. Yeah, that, that's a three-point play right there. But uh, Virginia Tech, we, we talked about them in that that's Liberty three game. Points. I was shocked that Virginia Tech was <laughs> three points. Game, honestly. I'm not like free, like free. Oh, oh 
three. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I don't I don't know why VT was favored in that one, but uh Yeah. yeah. Well they're yeah. home, but yeah, I, I don't they know. are, but I mean they're VT's had some ugly losses, so mm-hmm. but um Hey that yeah. pick was for me in the second round and you guys could have taken it, so Well, I mean I, I felt a lot more confident about Buffalo yeah, America yeah, yeah. still. But um yeah, I'll go. I'm actually going to go with my most confident college pick, and I'm going to take SMU to beat Tulsa. Some American action there. Yeah, that's uh, another uh, ranked team that's an underdog this week. Um, three points there. We're moving right along, Nate. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you can hear us and make your pick here. <laughs> oh, well, no. crap. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 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 wait, I got a message, maybe? Right. Oh, okay. We hear All you. Right. Yeah. Okay, Um. so then the next pick, I'm going to stay with NFL. I'm going to go um, Carolina over Tampa Bay. Oh, man. Ooh. I was going to take, I was take yeah. that one with my next pick if it was still there. The, uh, the yeah. Patriots fan is picking against Tom Brady. Interesting. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will say for that one, I'm not as upset about that one because I was hoping that was going to be a five-pointer, but it wasn't, so... Yeah, that's true. Okay, Eric. Yeah, so I I picked them last week. They're like my boys all of a sudden for some reason ever since the NFC Least episode, but give me <laughs> the New York football giants <laughs> to beat the Eagles. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> my boy Daniel Jones gonna lead me to a second win. Danny dies. <laughs> I, was, I was looking at that. I, I was probably gonna pick that if you if you hadn't. So I mean, I feel like every NFC East versus NFC Least matchup could is a toss up and could go. I love way. how you said uh, NFC. I love how you said I, NFC East versus <laughs> NFC Least. Like I say, yeah, you know, look, I just got hyped all of a sudden for some reason. I don't know. So I just, you know, that didn't come out right, but. Uh, <laughs> give, me, give me those New York football giants, baby. Let's go. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm going to end things with another five-pointer, make make Connor a little scared. I'm going to go. They they should have lost to the team that's called State, but they're going to lose to Arizona. I'm going to take Arizona over USC. Um <laughs> An Arizona team will beat USC this year. I'm saying, <laughs> saying it's going to happen. <laughs> so, well, uh, yeah. Yeah, I will say for my pick, um, since I'm not worried at all about one of your five point picks over there, um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, I will say the Arizona over USC definitely could happen, but. Um, I feel like I haven't done this in a while, and I feel like it's kind of, I mean, well, I did this two weeks ago, but I didn't do this last week, and I kind of regretted doing it, given like how bad the five-pointers were last week. So I'm actually going to take a safe pick this week, and I'm going to take the safest NFL pick in my mind, and that is New Orleans over San Francisco. I'm... I'm... I'm uh, bowing to you right now for not saying Green Bay over Jacksonville. Yeah, well, hey, I, I will say for for Jacksonville's sake, like I I feel like that they could surprise more than San Francisco, given that San Francisco is playing with their practice squad right now. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. Um, okay, so Nate, your background just got to get one more pick out of you, Nate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, then my Wi-Fi can give out, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shoot, I wanted to go back to I wanted 
I'm going to try and get another college football five point this week, but I don't like um, really any of the options up here. So I think I'm going to go, I guess I'll stick with NFL and go semi-safe and go Houston uh, over Cleveland. Okay. Kind of a little bit of narrow spread there, but. Yeah, yeah. Texans Cleveland coming off, off. Cleveland coming off of a bye week. Yeah, so Eric, uh now you have the privilege of picking last here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I made a list of the upset picks that I wanted to go for and they've been taken. They've all been taken. I, there's not really any upset spread that I really feel comfortable with taking. So Oh, I hate to do this, <laughs> but <laughs> I know where he's going. <laughs> picking the Packers to take the, to beat the Jags. Oh I, just, oh. just leave right now. Oh, <laughs> see, Zach, you know what? You know what I will say is that you probably would have been more happy about me taking that one since my one point picks always seem to go wrong. That's true. Yeah. So you. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Whereas I, I've picked against the Jags and survival the last two times that they've been available and I've won. So like. But hey, man, I, I will be rooting for the Jags to win. Obviously, if I lose, it's one point. Who cares? So yeah, I, I'm obviously rooting for the Jags. Zach, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> your uh, your interests though have been revealed here. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Zach is reaching tonight. <laughs> oh okay. man. All right. So that's always a transitional segment. Uh, sometimes it goes on kind of long like it just did, but uh, <laughs> we're going now to, uh, to to do some more basketball picks. And for right now, anyways, this is the last set of rebuilds that we're going to be doing for a little while because next week we're having our mock draft for the NBA. Uh, now, rest easy. We're not going to do a full two round mock draft. We're just going to do the lottery portion of the NBA draft. So It'll be condensed, um, and I'm not sure if Nate will participate, but Connor, Eric, and, and myself definitely will. And it'll be in a style similarly to the way we did our NFL mock draft as well. So it'll be a live mock draft. It's not going to be a pre-scripted show. But, uh, yeah, so I wanted to do a quote-unquote rebuild of the Trailblazers, and this is really... Uh, one of the easier ones to do that we've done so far because the trailblazers are one of those teams right now, more so in the NBA than any other team that you look at the uh, contracts that they have and you look at the, they do have some free agents I'll talk about, but the, the bulk of this team will be returning next year, which is a stark uh, contrast to last year when they had the, uh, one of they were one of the NBA teams with the most turnover. That's the that's the word I'm trying to say. Like the this team from last year's team versus two years ago was quite a bit different. So this year it's going to be less uh, chaotic as far as that aspect's concerned. I, they have some free agents. Um, Hassan Whiteside's an unrestricted free agent, but um, which I wouldn't mind them bringing him back, but he's not a priority. Because the problem with Whiteside, and every time I watch a Trailblazers game, this always happens. Uh, he just fouls too too quickly. He'll just foul out of games, and they have a lot of. That's the problem with the Trailblazers is they have a lot of um, big men that get into foul trouble, 
so you could see a game where Nurkic, Whiteside, and Zach Collins all could be close to fouling out because they just commit so many fouls. Um, but I would love to have Whiteside back. It's just one of those things. They don't have much cap space, and there's other um, areas on the team I'd rather them uh, consider. So Rodney Hood's got a player option. I think he returned. I think he accepts the player option. I don't know the amount, but considering he didn't play all of last season and the pandemic with the reduced spending, I think Rodney Hood's probably going to look at himself and be like, okay, I'm probably not going to get as much as my player option is this year. So I think he comes back and takes that, which I'm fine with. Uh, he's He was a good player before he got hurt. He's not going to be a great player, but um, he's coming off the bench, somebody that you can rely on, even though I'll get to it later, somebody a little bit better than him I'm really excited about. But that leads to Carmelo Anthony, which I was pretty skeptical when they first did the signing a year ago. Um, But he really was uh, one of the best free agent acquisitions that the Blazers had last year giving him a chance and it's credit to Melo as much as it's credit to the Blazers because he's finally accepted his role. There were so many, um, there were so many years where he wasn't playing or he left teams after like half a season because uh, he wasn't used to being off the bench because he'd been with the Knicks for so long where he was like the star of the team and everything. And then, uh, now that he's older, he's having to come off of benches on good teams. He's not used to that. But for whatever reason, um, he's finally accepted uh, where he is. He, I think he was humbled for being out of the league for so long. And he contributed really well. Um, I would still, obviously, if, if the game comes down to a game-winning shot, you want it in Dame Time's hands. But... Mello made some really clutch shots that saved the team in a couple games in the bubble. So I, he's a unrestricted free agent. I think he'll come back. I, I think there's mutual interest between him and the Blazers. Uh, there was the fun fact that is they were actually trying to get Mello a long time ago. Uh, once he left the Knicks and for whatever reason he didn't come, but uh, the Blazers have always wanted Mello and then they finally got him. And now it seems to be working out. He likes the Blazers. The Blazers are like him. I I expect them to to uh, to come back together this year. And then Mario Hazonia, God, <laughs> I, some of the times you know, some of the times in sports you can be like, oh, uh, this this bum player is leaving my team, yay! But he was a member of the Orlando Magic, and then he bounced around from some teams to teams, and then he ended up on the Trailblazers. So I'm like, no, he's he's on another one of my favorite teams. So he he's I don't know what's going to happen with him with the player option. It's up to him. But either way, if he even if he's back on the team, he might get cut. Honestly, so he might have the player option, but he might not even be on the team. So. That's what I gotta say about Mario, Super Mario. They used to call him. I wish the Hornets could <laughs> cut the bum. <laughs> yeah, cut bum. <laughs> um, so, the, looking at the team overall now, is they are kind of cash strapped because they've handed out some max contracts to Dame and CJ uh, for long term. So, for all the people that say trade CJ, I have to say you're wrong. 
Don't trade Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> I know I made that. So I have dramatic. to say, you're wrong. <laughs> because here's the thing: is unless you're getting like Giannis or something like that, um, there's nobody that they're gonna bring in that's gonna be better than CJ. All the trades that I see them having to do with CJ are where they trade CJ, and you think of CJ as like a quarter, right? Like he's worth 25 cents. Um, all the trades I see them trading him for are like for 25 pennies or like a dime and a couple nickels, which you don't want to do. <laughs> you don't want to do that in the NBA. This isn't football where you can be like, oh, we're getting two offensive linemen in this trade. That's a win for giving up a star receiver. Like in this in this sport, if you have a quarter – you hold on to that quarter. You don't break it into 25 pennies. So um, I don't want him to trade CJ. I don't know why people don't like CJ. I know he's never been to an all-star uh, game, but um, he's shown time and time again that when healthy, he's just as good as Dame. Like The, the thing I love about when they're both on the court is if Dame's having a great night, um, then CJ gets little attention, or uh, if CJ's had a couple good nights, then Dame gets to be more free when he's on offense. So the way they complement each other, it's been so long they've been together. Don't trade them, don't break them up. Um, and then another big thing about the Blazers that is huge is getting back Yusuf Nurkic. They had him back um, at the end of last year, and he showed why... He's good. He's the center for the future. You have him as the center. You have Dame. You have CJ. Now it's the other positions that are much more question marks. I am in the camp that Zach Collins is just injured too often. But if he's healthy, you play him at power forward. um, Or you play Nurkic power forward and then Collins at center. But they have to find a way... Collins, hopefully he's healthy when the season starts and then find a way to play him because um, he's never going to develop if he never gets to play. He just hasn't played very much his career, but when he has played, he's looked good. So it's one of those things you you hope he stays healthy, but you really can't trust it. So when you look in the draft, you you look to find somebody who could potentially replace that Collins. Um, and then the other, and then you've got Anthony Simmons as like Dame's uh, backup point guard. I think that's solidified uh, spot for him. And then you probably have Melo starting. And then um, you've got Nasir Little, who didn't do he did little last year. So I don't know no. if this is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if this is one of those things where it's just like okay, he was just a rookie on a good team, so he had no time to play, or if it's one of those things that like. He didn't play because he didn't look good to the Blazers, and they figured, okay, we're not going to play you. We're going to play other guys in, in in front of you because you're not playing well. So he never really had a chance. I'd like to see what he's got because he has potential. A lot of people said steal a draft right there. Um, but didn't have a great rookie season. So um, with hopefully a full regular season of basketball, we can get a better picture of what Nasir Little is going to be because – I think if the Blazers are to win a championship, they're going to need like a Nasir Little or a Zach Collins, one of those guys to just like break out and become a third star. Um, because Nurkic, while he's pretty good and I like Nurkic, is he's not 
a third superstar. He he's a nice piece to have, but he's not quite the superstar. But with uh with Collins and Little, you don't know. You don't know yet. I don't think so, but you don't know. And then uh, the finally the the final piece to talk about Gary Trent Jr. It's going to be big. Is, is the bubble his ceiling or is the bubble just the start of what's going to come for Gary Trent Jr. because he was playing unbelievable in the bubble. Whoa, sorry. Um, he was playing unbelievable in the bubble. Um, it's one of those like you look at the Blazers. Honestly, no moves. Like you bring back Mello. That's it. You draft your player. That's it. I, this isn't one of those teams where you're like flipping all these tons of players for draft picks and stuff. Like you have the team right here. You're ready to go. It's just they got to stay healthy. They had health problems last year. Um, and then the other question mark is these young guys. You hope they develop, but you still have to draft like they're not going to develop so you can get that right piece. But um, I guess the major thing with this rebuild is don't trade CJ. That's what I said earlier. So, um, like I said, not too much really. This is kind of a bland story of the Blazers, but they're going to probably bring back this team that you see here on paper next year. And um, and I think they're going to be really good. The, the problem is the West is so tough, but... Uh, don't and obviously it goes without saying, but you're not trading Dame like you're not. So just just shut up about that. I'm uh, not sure whoever came up with that, but <laughs> I, it's mainly fans. It's mainly fans <laughs> of other teams coming up with those trades. No, there's no Blazers fans like saying trade Dame. It's it's just other teams. Wasn't there like a rumor that like, um, that like the Blazers were going to try and trade CJ for Giannis to bring him or like they were going to try and trade something for Giannis. So Dame and Giannis could play together. Like I heard yeah. some rumor about that, that like, yeah, Giannis I was going to go to Portland. <laughs> it's yeah. You hear like rumors for everything, but if, I mean, <laughs> I said like, if they were to do that, you know, I don't like Giannis, but I would sign me up. I, if you trade C, I would trade CJ, Zach Collins, Nasir little Gary Trent for Giannis done done okay well i'll make it i'll, I'll talk to Giannis and uh, i'll make it happen okay <laughs> as he has Giannis's impending agent connor's got this for you so <laughs> that would be that would be awesome right there but i don't see that happening um but yeah so th- that's my thing uh you gotta develop put some playing time in for these guys like little trent and collins uh and and hope you hope you can break through and, and win the west um but i guess i'll, I'll end it there uh, I don't know what what else you guys have to say about uh, what if you agreed with me or not, or are you trading CJ? Because that's a big thing. No, I, I mean I wouldn't. I mean I agree. I mean the Trailblazers really just have to bring back the pieces. I mean I think they kind of they definitely got off to a slow start uh, to start the season, um, but we saw like later in the season and also in the bubble that this team is capable of winning. I mean they when did manage. Yeah. yeah, when they're they're capable of winning when they're healthy. So, um, yeah, I definitely think that this is the team going forward. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is just the whole Hassan Whiteside decision. Like, you know, how much is he going to demand? Yeah. How much, you know, what's going on? Because obviously, I agree that if Whiteside's going to ask for too much, then I, I don't bring him back. Because yeah, I, I agree. I don't think he's crucial to the team. No, success. he's not crucial. But from what I've, what it looks like is like. When he was in Miami, he was unhappy with Miami, but he was really happy with Portland. So I'm wondering if he gets a discount for Portland. I don't know if that's possible or not, but um, only on like a discount 
Um, would you bring back Whiteside? Eric, you in concurrence? Yeah, well, looking at the YouTube screen, I would definitely trade CJ McCollum because, and Dane because there's two of them. So you could just trade one and then still have one. <laughs> Eric's <laughs> getting fired. You're, you're, looking at, you're fired from Clutch Grease Sports. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see there's, uh, according to the roster Zach has on the screen, there's two Dames and two CJs. Oh. So that's uh, like, <laughs> I, I, I love how I knew what he was talking about, but, but, but so, Zach didn't. I didn't, yeah. I didn't know he was talking about that. <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> but no, yeah, I'm definitely in agreement here. Like, you know, so unless you're getting an amazing player, you, you've got to keep CJ and, and in my opinion, Hassan Whiteside can go. I mean, I normally in the past hadn't watched a lot of Portland basketball, but when the bubble happened, uh, I got to watch a lot of their games. And it just seemed like every time Hassan Whiteside came to the game, within 30 seconds, he was picking up two fouls. True. And, it's under- <laughs> and it's understandable if that happens every now and then. Like, you know, no, especially big guys, you know, they do tend to get in more foul trouble than perimeter players, but when you're getting into foul trouble every single game, and especially when you're coming off the bench, I mean, that that's bad. And I feel like other than blocking and rebounding, he doesn't do a whole lot anyway. So I feel like he's a very overrated player, and he's probably going to command a lot of money. So, you know, unless he, unless he comes and says, hey, guys, I'll play for you for super cheap, uh, I'd be fine with seeing him go and, Zach's right too. They they got to get the young talent developed because Dame and CJ aren't going to last forever, and so they need to uh, they need to get some younger guys going to really give them a chance. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's hear about the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Connor and Eric are going to co-GM this team. Oh, boy. See how they do. Yeah. So the, Connor and I have not spoken to each other about this, and. This is my first time even really looking at their impending roster here. So. Well, I will say for my sake, like I went into this thinking this was going to be like a bit easier, but I mean, I feel like I've had a gauntlet of teams. Like other than the Spurs, I felt like the Spurs was fairly easy, but like the Knicks and the Hornets and now this, like looking at it, I thought it was going to be easier, but I'm just like I'm kind of scratching my head. Like I don't know. I mean, because I guess the first thing is you know obviously got to figure out what Devin Booker is doing because obviously, I mean, if he really does want out then, cause in my mind, Devin Booker is like, you know, him and Aiton are like the heart of this team. And oh, without, sure. without one of them, then they're going to suck. Like, you know, they're not going to even be remotely where they were because they were, they were pretty impressive towards the end of the bubble, but um, it's definitely a question of, you know, if he wants out, if he's making that toxic, if he's making the locker room toxic, I've always been, I mean, being a Steelers fan, dealing with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, like, if if someone's going to be a toxic player in the locker room, then I say get rid of them. Like, even if you're not going to get exactly what you want in a trade, I feel like getting rid of that toxicity is more important than, you know, getting, like, two first-rounders or whatever for Devin Booker. I don't know what your stance would be on that, Eric. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, obviously, you can see if you're on YouTube here, Zach put in a couple of different articles, and they're literally contrasting. Mm-hmm. There's I know. <laughs> there's one that says Devin Booker wants to return to Suns, and then there's – or that he doesn't want out of Phoenix, and then another one that says he definitely wants to leave Phoenix. So, um, 
I don't know, man. Like I said, if he's being a toxic cancer in the locker room, then unfortunately, like, because Connor mentioned Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, and I'm used to this with guys like Jalen Ramsey as a Jags fan. So Yannick Ngakwe. <laughs> yeah, like when when they won out, I mean, unfortunately, you kind of have to let him do it. But he's under contract through 2024, so the Suns have all the leverage here. So, you know, they can kind of do if, – if they do – you know, feel like they need to trade him. You know, obviously Connor and I as GMs of the Suns right now, we don't know like exactly what the locker room situation is like, but if we felt like we needed to trade him, we have all the leverage and we can kind of do like what the Pelicans did with AD and, you know, they got a, you know, King's ransom for him or kind of like how the Thunder uh, got a King's ransom for Paul George when the Clippers desperately wanted him. Like, Teams will be desperate enough to really want him to where they could kind of have a bidding war and get a lot for him. And I honestly would be okay if, like, we did have to come to that. I mean, he's a star player right now. Obviously, you want to keep your star players. But I feel like the Suns' run in the bubble got overinflated a little bit because they were playing a lot of teams that had already clinched playoff spots. So they were resting their players or they would play a team that had a guy or two injured. And so they didn't want to risk re-injury. So they kept the injured players out. And so they did win a lot of games because of that. So it's, it's hard to gauge where the Suns are really at talent wise. Like did they, when they dominated in the bubble, like was it really all them or was it a easier schedule was it a combination of both? Like, it's hard to figure out exactly, but I, I don't know, man. I, it's re- this is really tough to say, <laughs> but yeah, no, I definitely think it'd happy. probably be better to keep him. Yeah, no, if we have the option to keep him, then I would want to keep him. But I was saying, like, if it does come down to it where, like, you know, he needs to, like, he wants out, then yeah, you're right. We do have all the leverage. And I do think before we talk about the free agents, I think another player that, um, would be beneficial to try and trade for at least something at some point. I guess I can attest to this because he was on my team in 2K, but if we can try and trade Ricky Rubio, because the fact that Rubio is making $17 million a year, like he's not worth that, unfortunately, for his sake. So I'm not sure what we may be able to get for him, because unfortunately for the Suns' sake is that he's under contract until 2022, so it's not like... He's, you know, after this season, he's going to be gone and then you don't have to worry about it. So, but I don't know exactly what would be able to get a trade for Ricky Rubio because obviously he is an aging player and he's not on a fair amount of teams. He probably wouldn't even be a starter. So, yeah, we would, um, we would have to find a team that feels like they're like a point guard away from, you know, like a solid point guard away from contending or something because he is a good player, but he's definitely a yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with that hundred percent. I would also, be it, also before you move on, uh, CNN yeah, can now project that the new England Patriots will beat the New York jets. <laughs> yeah. I, I would have my computer. Yeah. Yeah. Come on jets. <laughs> <laughs> they got the, the players like got a call from the owner being like, we'll give you all a million dollars if you lose. <laughs> yeah. They definitely choke. That's for sure. But but anyway, so uh, one thing the Suns do have going for them, though, is they have some – they do have some good young talent. And I think if they can 
like lure a solid free agent or you know contending i'm not sure i forgot where they're picking in the um in the draft i should have obviously looked that up before going into this but i mean if they can still find a way to bring in some good talent then i think that could convince devin booker to stay but i don't know this is this is definitely trickier than what was anticipated for sure <laughs> yeah because well, i know like because the thing with the Suns too is that they have an interesting way that they do their starting lineup too. Because obviously you got Rubio at the one, Booker at the two, and then Mikhail Bridges plays the three, but Cam Johnson plays the four. Which Cam Johnson to me is definitely not a power forward. Like I feel like the the Suns don't really have a true power forward on their team because Kaminsky is more of a you know he's a stretch four, stretch five. You know he's. He's not the kind of guy that's going to get in there and get the tough rebounds and all that stuff. And then, so DeAndre Ayton's really the only commanding big man on this team. So I think if there's one thing that I think the the Suns really need to go after in some way is to bring in a commanding big man. Um, because if you look at their free agents for me, I mean, I don't know how many of these I'd really want to bring back. Like Aaron Baines, I feel like, I mean, he's he's old i think he can go i mean unless you want him unless he's gonna only ask for like a little tiny contract um i feel like it's not worth it to bring him back and then kaminsky i mean kaminsky and diallo i feel like i'd almost be more willing to probably bring back diallo because i feel like he's probably a little bit more of what the sons need in terms of a big man rather than kaminsky and then i don't even know really who dario sarch is (laughs) I've never seen him play, so I don't. I can't make a like decision on him. Rarely good on the 76ers, but then he's kind of been bounced around. So I'd be okay with letting him go. I mean, I don't feel like any of these guys are necessarily a necessity to bring back. But I know, kind of like what Zach had talked about in a previous episode, you know, you can't just get rid of everybody because you can't replace that many people within a single season. So you kind of have to bring some people back. So, like, Diallo and Kaminsky are okay. Baines, I would be fine with, like you said, if it's like a veteran minimum or something. I think he ha- he kind of brings a lot of energy. I remember Celtics fans were really pissed off when they traded him to the Suns. Nate, and... Nate knows. He can talk about that. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because they traded some of their other guys, and they were just kind of like, eh, whatever, like guys that were way better than Aaron Baines. And then they traded Aaron Baines, and Celtics fans were like, no, why did you do Aaron Baines? So, so I mean, he, he, he does bring an energy. So for like a veteran's minimum or something, maybe just slightly above that, I'd be okay. But it will depend on what he wants. But at the same time, none of these guys are like game changers where it's like, oh, we got to keep them. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. I mean, be, I guess, yeah, I guess the, the key for the Suns really, I think, in my mind is I think definitely in the draft, they need to go after another either in the draft or maybe if they can somehow lure a free agent because they definitely have money. I mean, aside from Ricky Rubio, none of their players are really like that overpaid. So they definitely have the funds to bring in a free agent. Um, so if they can either bring in a free agent power forward or draft a, like a, a good power forward, I think that would be the piece that they need to get better. And then um, I just completely lost my train of thought about the other thing I was going to say. That's okay. <laughs> I, I, another move that I really think they should make too is um, I – I would love to see the Suns go after Fred Van Bleet. 
I think he would be a huge upgrade at point guard over Ricky Rubio. And if you're not able to trade Ricky Rubio, then you still have him to come off the bench. Yeah, but he's definitely going to be a serviceable six man. Van Vliet is a really talented player. He brings a lot of energy. I think Devin Booker would be really happy having him as a teammate. And then when you pair the two of them with DeAndre Aiden, I mean, that's not a bad big three at all right there. So I, if they could go after Fred Van Vliet, I think that would be a great move for them as well. Yeah, I definitely agree. Because Van Vliet's really the only like big-time free agent that's kind of either undecided or really worth going after. And then I think after that, it's more so just, like I said, getting the power forward and then just developing the young talent. Because this team has a lot. It's a very, very young team. I mean, other than Rubio and uh, and Baines, who is a free agent right now, like this and Kaminsky, they, pretty well everybody's under is 24 and under uh, within the starting lineup outside of Rubio. So if they can bring in Van Vliet and they can just keep developing this young talent, um, I mean, it's kind of a similar, it's kind of similar to the Hornets in my mind, except like instead of relying on the draft, you look for a free agent with the Suns. Like, I think it's, you know, a similar thing. Develop the young guys before the Suns, you go after free agents. Whereas the Hornets, it's develop the young guys and draft people. Yeah, so sounds good. I, I think I agree with basically what all you guys said there. Sorry, it, um, it took us a while there to... <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's good, it's good. <laughs> all right, yeah, so that's where, uh, that's where we're going to wrap things up, guys. So thanks for uh, thanks for being on this. And like I said, end of the rebuilds. Uh, so we've got the N- mo- NBA mock draft coming up next week, and we'll do something else for NFL. We don't know what it'll be yet, but there'll be something different probably for NFL. Um, but yeah, till then, be clutch. Bye. See ya. Oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs>